You remember those nights? How you spent them under the covers of your bed, hugging a torch and your old battery-powered radio? How you would slowly turn the dial and scan the bands, searching for signals sticking out in the static like islands in a flat sea. You spent night after night listening and searching for a station you only heard a rumour of. A friend of a friend had told you about it once in the schoolyard, and how they heard it that one time. It's been more than ten years since then, and that broadcast has escaped you, except when it sticks in your thoughts, something long gone. Today was one of those days, though. You remembered your old station searching while your mind wandered in the shower, and you couldn't shake it. Now it is supper time, and as you sit at the table with your cup of tea, the radio set in the corner of the room switches itself on. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Hotline. My name is Oshin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kaylee. Hello. That got dark Hello, there, Kaylee. that intro. <laughs> Did it? Did A little it? bit. <laughs> That was just mystery, you know? Sure. <laughs> you okay, Yoshin? Mystery of uh, youth youth well spent. Oh my god. <laughs> Did um, anything spooky happen to you? Did the boogeyman get you? No, no boogeymans, unfortunately. Um, although, you know, the one from the movie was pretty terrifying. It was. I, I thought I was going to be checking the, like, the corners in the dark rooms a lot more. Yeah? Sometimes, sometimes a film can get me like that. But this one, it didn't. Oh, that's good. Do you think you're like? Do you think you're building up your like horror movie resilience, like your your tolerance maybe, to them? Maybe yeah, actually, maybe that, maybe that's because you're not you're not normally like a big horror movie buff, but just like the rest of us are, so we drag you along <laughs> yeah. for it. <laughs> Aside from like you know the sci-fi films that are like horror adjacent, art like it's technically like horror, Alien but it's a kind sci-fi. of thing, like Alien and the thing. Yeah, yeah. Now that has nothing to do with what I wanted to go over this week. A while ago, you sent me a list of famous people or people of note or influence that had seen strange creatures or cryptids. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do like a quick dip into some of them. So without further ado, let's have a look at some of these strange sightings. I presume, Kaylee, you know about the Moa bird. The Moa bird? Yes. No, I actually don't. <laughs> okay. Moa bird, they are or they were a group of flightless birds that lived on the islands of New Zealand. Like the real thing just they went extinct they went extinct in the mid 1440s due to hunting and that was like within 100 years of colonisation of New Zealand oh. <laughs> when the people showed up they just uh, wrecked the place like everything was going grand the yeah we tend to do that right? <laughs> crowd, they were they were doing okay and then suddenly we show up and I say we like I, I have nothing to do with it <laughs> it was you but, uh, it was you <laughs> it was me up yeah. in no, no, known colonizer no I hate everything to do with that <laughs> they show up and within a hundred years moas are gone size wise they went from like the size of a turkey and then the biggest was the giant moa which was like 3.6 meters tall and weighted about 200 kilograms. Oh my, 200 kg. Holy yes. crap. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's this huge piece. Actually, we were um we were in Berlin me and my girlfriend and we went to the zoo and like you know they have the big bird house thing going on yeah. and like you know I love birds. So, in one of them though, they had like uh, all these the, the the heights of various flightless birds on the wall, like uh silhouettes. Yeah. And like, you know, whatever, emu, you know, we see emus down in photo, like, I know emus. And then, like, you know, ostrich, you're like, okay, tall. <laughs> so my girlfriend stood beside it and was just dwarfed by this huge shadow <laughs> of the, gi- the giant moa. And it's like, whoa, I wish they were around still, you know? Yeah, that's insane. 
200 oh my god i can't get over that weight that's insane <laughs> yeah, it's a big bird probably, that's like t-rex from from jurassic park like you feel <laughs> the ground vibrating as it's walking towards you that's huge yeah and it's, you know bird legs are normally kind of quite thin even for like a big bird yeah. so like in relation to the size of this bird they were still skinny legs but when you like looked at them they were like like tree trees, oh my god you know? yeah and they had these huge claws in, and like it was all just silhouette it was just huge claws like Jesus what the hell did this thing eat to like was it eating just rocks <laughs> <laughs> they weren't carnivorous oh twigs and leaves taken from low trees and shrubs are you know like three point yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, like three three and a half meters up like you know if you're a big guy but anywho Alice Mackenzie was kind of like a notable author from New Zealand uh, and she was known for writing a book called The Pioneers of Martins Bay, which was about growing up in Martins Bay in the 1870s and 80s. She was raised in Martins Bay, at which time it was the most isolated community in New Zealand. It initially belonged to Otago, and now that area is included in the boundaries of the Fiordland National Park. In 1880, as an eight-year-old, Alice had a meeting with a large bird that she believed had been a takahe, and she believed it to be a takahe for many years. This is her account. It was lying on the sand, sunning itself. I got nearer and nearer until I sat down on the sand behind it. I remember stroking its back. It had no tail. It just lay there. It was quiet, so I put my hand underneath it and drew out one of its legs. It took no notice of me. I started to tie the flax around it. I thought I'd tie it up. What? Then it got up and made a harsh, grunting cry and bit at me. And I ran as hard as I could over the sand hills towards the sea. I thought if I went down to the sea, it mightn't follow me into the water. I never looked behind. It never came very far with me. When I got home and told my father, he came to have a look. But the bird was gone when he came. He saw its tracks where it followed me from the top of the sand hills, but didn't go over them. He had a foot rule in his pocket and measured the tracks. From the heel to the middle toe was 11 inches. So it's just like a huge f- a foot span. <laughs> yeah, that's a big foot. For a bird, yeah. yeah. And what, what was she trying to do? She was trying to tie its legs together? Yeah, yeah, with like a piece of flax or like, you know, grass that or whatever. so it. funny. I'm just picturing it with like shoes and like the little girl tying its <laughs> yeah. shoelaces together. I, th- I think it was tying one of the legs just so like it would, uh, wouldn't go- get away or something. But um, some cryptozoologists see this as a case of the moa being not extinct. Mm. At the time, Alice believed that it was a takahe, which went extinct in 1898. And prior to this, they presumed it to be extinct from the same time as the moa. But they found one uh, in 1898 oh. and then no more after it, the takahe, yeah. until... 1948 when they were rediscovered by Jeffrey Orbel in an isolated valley in the South Island's Murchison Mountains and since then they have been they're still endangered but they are increasing their population oh that's really cool they're in a conservation yeah. effort these uh, take so like she thought oh I'm seeing something rare now uh, or this shouldn't exist I'm seeing it yeah and, and a stink bird um and th- but then in the 1940s when they were back uh, she said that's not what I saw oh my god what <laughs> so people think then is this a moa if something like that they thought they were extinct but they weren't extinct do you think something like that for a moa would have you think the same thing can happen I, I don't know because this thing is huge <laughs> like yeah. it's giant how could it hide New Zealand's not exactly massive that, yeah 
that's the sceptical argument it's like if there is a giant bird we would have seen signs of it over the last few hundred years or like hunters would have yeah maybe for a smaller one like the small ones are turkey size there know? are smaller birds that like have been spotted that they thought went extinct and I, I think there is a chance that those birds are still around but this one's mm-hmm. huge so it would be really hard for it to hide right but I also found out that moas are being considered potentially to be made unextinct by cloning oh. like dodos yeah. um, which I think they definitely should do I don't know should we play god like that though yes it's, okay <laughs> You know what? I, I don't care. I've seen Jurassic I'm Park. I'm very curious as to what a, a dodo bird tastes like because they gobbled those oh motherfuckers God. up, so they must be tasty, you know? Imagine, imagine like, you get brought back. Just to be like KFC just special. To be devoured, like, <laughs> that is horrific. I'm just saying, like, they look tasty. They do, they do look tasty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also down for seeing potential moas was uh, a 19th century New Zealand political, political? politician named uh, John Watts Russell but also was uh, also was seen by a fella called Patrick Quirk Caples he was a New Zealand gold prospector explorer and mine director but he was born in Bilboa County Limerick oh my god <laughs> Ireland <laughs> circa 1830 <laughs> this man from Limerick goes to New Zealand to be a gold prospector <laughs> and finds a moa sees a moa <laughs> like, yeah damn <laughs> there's moas in them day heels he'd probably stab it or something I assume <laughs> wow can, can you be racist towards a county hey I lived in Limerick long enough <laughs> I did my time <laughs> that um, is really cool though I, I really hope it's out there somewhere running around it's yeah, not like it eats really any, like it eat, if it just eats like plants and stuff I mean, there's a chance, right? Yeah, I I would love to ride one as a steed. I don't I don't know how well that would go for you, but I hope you get to fulfill that dream someday. I <laughs> know. Uh, I mean, I'm 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 implying like you know in this reality, it, like you know me and it are on this right wavelength to like get along and right like a horse. You know, I have a lance. It has like armor and like an armored beak, and he's like chomping at things <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah um oh the you know have you ever seen ostrich racing i have it's really weird looking it is really weird i'm not sure if i like it i or don't not. know yeah i don't know enough about it it's like they're like chocobos <laughs> from final fantasy running around the place yeah well see that's the that's the real dream to be honest with you it all stems from that i think <laughs> moving on um moseying on <laughs> mosey yeah moazing on um <laughs> That just didn't work. <laughs> no, no. You you actually did it better. Um, a, a quick mention, quick shout out. In a previous episode, we talked about, uh, we touched briefly on Irish Saint Columba. He saw and he fought and defeated the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, yes. I forgot about this guy. So that was the Dewar Coup episode, if you want, like a, a good description of it. That would have been in like the 6th century, at the Loch Ness or a river by it. But uh, basically, very quickly, he came across a man getting attacked by Nessie. He he makes the sign of the cross and banishes Nessie into Loch Ness. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help it out. We have a Patreon, and that's a way to directly support the podcast. And you'll get access to our Discord, where we're always chatting and posting about and in between episodes. That's over at www.patreon.com forward slash paranormal hotline. There's oddly a few Irish connections in this episode that I noted. 
Another one is Colonel Percy Fawcett. Ah, oh, I thought Have you were going to say Colonel heard of this Sanders. Man no. <laughs> no. Now I'm just upset. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. You haven't heard of this guy before? I don't think so. Okay. He's an incredibly interesting fellow. First, uh, I'll get his Irish connection out of the way. He worked for three years in 1903 on Spike Island in Ooh, Cork. Oh my... We've been there. <laughs> yes. It gets better. gets better, Gaelic. Oh, God. Um, his brother was a mountain climber, Eastern occultist, and author of philosophical books and adventure novels. Uh, <laughs> and it seems that he was... like uh, Percy was a man for the occult himself. Oh. Because I was reading on the Spike Island website, and they have a little bit about him. It goes, During his time on Spike Island, he also entertained his interest in the occult, holding seances on the island to communicate with the dead. Like, what? we did that. We did that. We did do that. <laughs> Holy. Maybe we contacted his ghost. Who knows? We should have. Us, oh. us and Percy were like that. We should have been asking him for Percy. God we damn should've. it. We should have. Now we got to go back. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I enjoy telling stories out of order completely. Uh, he's known for like disappearing on an expedition in the Amazon I won't get too much into it in case we ever cover it but like he was looking for what he called the lost city of Zed <laughs> sounds made up there's no yeah, way yeah I don't know he had like he had found stuff in manuscripts and this and that like you know he was treasure hunting and, and this and that and like looking for this lost city and then that's the last people heard of him living the dream living the dream that's how I want to go <laughs> he died doing what he loved hunting for gold in the Amazon <laughs> yeah um, the Spike Island website actually claim, uh, has has him down as like one of the potential inspirations for Indiana Jones no way I don't know if I yeah. believe that <laughs> I don't think so because I know Indiana Jones was like Steven Spielberg always wanted to do a James Bond and he yeah. couldn't <laughs> and he was like he loved all the like 1930s pulp so, but <laughs> I imagine he this guy inspired a lot of those pulps Maybe. So maybe in a roundabout way. On various expeditions to South America, he claimed to have shot a giant anaconda. Are those yeah. like that's such an actual thing, though, right? Uh, well, th- this is a much jointer anaconda than anything in nature, sort of thing. This is the cryptid giant anaconda. Okay, so this is like giant. By his description. Giant. Okay. We, uh, we were drifting easily along in the sluggish current, not far from below the confluence of the Rio Negro, when almost under the bow of the boat there appeared a triangular head and several feet of undulating body. It was a giant anaconda. I sprang for my rifle as the creature began to make its way up the bank and hardly waiting to aim, smashed a forty-four soft-nosed bullet into its spine ten feet below the wicked head. Uh, so this thing is already ten longer than ten feet? feet. Jesus. Yeah, already longer than ten feet. At once there was a flurry of foam and several heavy thumps, shaking us as though we had run on a snag. With great difficulty I persuaded the Indian crew to turn inch forwards. They were so frightened that the whites all showed round their popping eyes and in the moment of firing I had heard their terrified voices begging me not to shoot lest the monster destroy the boat and kill everyone on board for not only do these creatures attack boats when injured but there is great danger from their mates. Oh my god. We Jesus. stepped ashore. <laughs> this is great. Like, you know, is Just wait. We stepped ashore <laughs> and approached the reptile with caution. It was out of action, but shivers ran up and down the body like puffs of wind on a mountain tarn. As far as it was possible to measure, a length of 45 feet lay out of the water and 17 feet in it, making a total length of 62 feet. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> what? That's insane. Body, yeah. 
Its body was not thick for such a colossal length, not more than 12 inches in diameter, but it had probably been probably been long without food. I tried to cut a piece of the skin, but the beast was by no means dead, and the sudden upheavals rather scared us. Penetrating fetid odour emanated from the snake, probably its breath, which is believed to have a stupidifying effect, first attracting and later paralysing its prey. Everything about this snake was repulsive. That is insane. That is an insanely Mm -hmm. big snake. Yeah, yeah. It's a big plane. He also said such large specimens as this may not be common, but the trails in the swamps reach a width of six feet and support the statements of Indians and rubber pickers that the anaconda sometimes reaches an incredible size, altogether dwarfing the one shot by me. The Brazilian Boundary Commission told me of one killed in the Rio Paraguay exceeding 80 feet in length. That's nuts. And that wasn't like that long ago. Like, Uh, no. The Amazon is scary as hell, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like, you know, this fellow, he was a a British geographer, map maker, archaeologist, explorer. I saw one crowd saying that he was also probably a British spy. Um, Oh, okay. So he kind of was like... Imagine (laughs) Bond. That's... Yeah, yeah. That's like off making maps. Like, you know, you're probably a spy, you know. He described the anaconda as a poisoned hell that could never be explored on foot 60 foot anacondas capable of picking a man out of a canoe savage ape men an infested plain of deadly snakes bats being so big they look like pterodactyls ferocious (laughs) black panthers white indian tribes swarms of biting bees fires in the distance and then like he pretty much just said I miss it all it was said that he inspired Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to write a novel called The Lost World which is pretty much they find I think in South America they find uh, an island or whatever and it's like there's still prehistoric creatures there Mr. Doyle also saw a cryptid oh Arthur Conan Doyle comes up on this podcast a lot shockingly <laughs> I think we need to like wrap it all up and just get like all of his weirdness into one episode <laughs> all of his paranormal escapades <laughs> yeah so in 1928 he and his wife embarked on a sea voyage to the island of Aegina while standing on the deck of the steamship their attention was captured by the site of the ancient temple of Poseidon situated on Cape Sunion their focus was then abruptly diverted when they noticed a creature swimming alongside their ship Arthur Conan Doyle later recollected that the curious creature had a long neck and large flippers I believe as did my wife that it was a young plesiosaurus whoa what Oh. oh man why can't I see stuff like this I want uh-huh. to see a plesiosaurus yeah so like plesiosaurus they went extinct or so they say uh, 65 million years ago with the dinosaurs what they're said to look like is also what a lot of sea monsters said to resemble yeah including Nessie thought that was wild that's just like you know that is wild there's like images on uh, Google Maps of like the ocean and <laughs> there's ones that po- people point out looks like a plesiosaurus and I'm always just like there's always a bit of hope that they're still out there somewhere. Yeah, I think of all of the cryptids that I really would like. Yeah. To still be or not even a cryptid at that point, like just a creature. Yeah, yeah. Um plesiosaurus, I think they'd be great. Any yeah, like so cool. dinosaurs with long necks, I am there for 100%. I mean, we covered the story before those those young boys who were in the shipwreck, and they yeah reckon they saw one of these plesiosaurus. Like yeah, that's just I don't know. There's something so cool about it. Yeah, they're a good shape. 
They're a good shape. It is like it's a good silhouette that you can kind of recognize really quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. That'd be really cool. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. if I trust Arthur Conan Doyle though. <laughs> <laughs> Percy Fawcett. It's like his brother wrote books and like his turn of phrase in his like what he has written. It reads really well like if you're reading like an adventure book. Yeah. I just noticed there and reading it out and like doing the bit of research so it's like <laughs> I'm not sure if it's his uh, like you know his day by day diary his notes or something that he's you know reported back after and he's like edited it you know yeah, got that's his good fair. turn of phrase out you know. <laughs> yeah. Kind of wrapping up this list I've uh one of the early explorers, I suppose. Kind of a bastard as well. Christopher Columbus. Boo. <laughs> Boo. Not not a huge fan, but he claimed to see some weird stuff. So we're going to focus on that and not uh, the atrocities that he committed. He's claimed to have seen a massive whale-sized turtle in 1494 during his expedition near the Dominican Republic. Christopher Columbus encountered what would be later referred to as the father of all turtles a bunch of people and like there's a bunch of accounts of people seeing this huge turtle or a turtle that is huge and it's called the father of all turtles but this is his his sort of his one that turtle then is described as being as massive as a whale it has a long tail with fins on either side uh, to help it get through the water in this case the turtle kept its head above the water while it was close to the Santa Maria Columbus's ship and then after a while it was like see ya and retreated into the depths of the Atlantic disappearing from the view of the explorer and his crew sometimes I wonder if these people have encountered animals that went extinct before we really discovered them I mean that's what happened with uh, with Moas yeah exactly that's what I mean I just wonder it could like, well have know? been but could a giant well turtle been. I feel like I don't know mm-hmm. what was the biggest turtle ever <laughs> there is huge fossils oh yeah that's there's some big ones alright god dang yeah there's the Archelon Arch Archelon? yeah Archelon Ar- Ar- yeah it's huge um, it's 15 feet tall or long Jesus yeah and... you know like did he just <laughs> see one of those or something he could well have um, and but that's that's what they reckon but that was from the late Cretaceous period <laughs> yeah you know so yeah that would have been the chance of it extinct. going extinct like right after he saw it is convenient yeah while we're on it you know <laughs> what it's 2.2 to 3.2 tons in body mass oh my god Jesus <laughs> it's, like, it's just reminding me you know in um, Avatar The Last Airbender there's like the turtle island yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's good vibes like that's what I want like big turtles big turtles big birds that's so he was exploring then the island of Isabella which he named I think it's in the Bahamas and he wrote about a serpent he came across from his he was keeping a diary for the king and queen who kind of sent him off on October 21st 1492 he wrote on thus going around these lakes I saw a serpent which we killed and I bring your highnesses the skin when it saw us it went into the lake and we followed it in because it was not very deep until we killed it with lances. It is seven palms, or 57 and three quarter inches long. In his writing, he refers to it as serpe. And then in other accounts, he refers to lizards and snakes using different words, but not the word serpe that he uses here. <laughs> so it's something that is not a lizard, not a snake, people take by, by re- his reading. Oh, uh, right. By reading it. Um so that's why it's known as a serpent people thought it was like an iguana yeah but it's now reckoned that it's likely to be a crocodile 
Oh, that makes um, sense. But that's kind of interesting because they only recent, recent, relatively recently discovered crocodile bones on that Bahamas island, which they previously thought never was inhabited by crocodiles. Right. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. So they reckon also the fact that it retreated into the water. They're like, uh, you Probably know, between, between that there might be a bone here that might be a crocodile and the behavior it probably is a crocodile that's really cool hmm it's interesting mm, interesting to be able to put a bow on it like that if that's yeah, the case you know that is really neat we'd love to be able to do the same with the moa <laughs> yeah <laughs> that elusive <Yeah>. bastard <laughs> i just wish they were they were there like <sighs> yeah but it's also man. like if they were there do you think we wouldn't appreciate them as much you know i don't know about you i'd be appreciating big time <laughs> but like there's ostrich ostriches they're pretty close <laughs> Like, if someone told me that was an extinct creature, I'd believe them, but it's it's still walking around being a pest. I, I see an ostrich, and whenever I see an ostrich, I'm like, dang, that's cool. And also, I'm in awe and a little bit of shock, and I'm like, that could kill me very easily. Yeah, especially because, like, in the zoo near us, like, Photo Zoo, mm. the ostriches, they're kind of just, like, wandering around amongst the zebras and stuff, and <laughs> they're kind of yeah, terrifying. They have, like, a savanna. Yeah. And they're just relatively out and about. Of of the various strange creatures and strange sightings that we, we've talked about today, Kaylee, do you have a favourite? I like the big bird. The, Austra- big bird or the New Zealand Moa. big bird. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Almost mm-hmm. said Australian there. Woo! That would be the one that I would be most interested in finding, to be honest. Yes. I have zero interest in finding a giant fucking snake, because that's terrifying. <laughs> Uh, the turtle would be pretty cool too, though. Turtle's good. I'd be uh, pretty Nessie, happy with that. It was only a short, but uh, yeah, Plesiosaurus of course, would be, classic, would be dope. But yeah, I gotta um, go with the bird. I think the bird would be yeah, really cool. Bird, to bird find. would be good. Yeah. yeah, that's all we have time for this week. If you like the podcast, suggest us to your friends and family. We'd appreciate that. If you've any personal ghost stories you'd like us to read on the podcast, send them in to us at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail Or if you have any stories that you'd like us to cover, send us an email and we'll get back to you. Or if you see anything weird, strange creatures, let us know. We'll add it to the list. <laughs> I'll see you in the next cartoon. Bye. Bye-bye.